Welcome back to the Salted Caramel Podcast, where we like to share the Lord's work and everyday parishioner stories. My name is David Cook. I am the Stewardship Director at Our Lady of Mount Carmel, and with me is the always cheerful Jody Curtis. Jody, who is our guest today? Our guest today is Carolyn Burgess. Carolyn, can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your activities in the parish? All right. Yes. Uh, well, first, thank you for having me on. This is exciting. I love what you're doing here with the Salt and Carmel podcast, you know, kind of bringing the parishioners' lives to alive to one another. So uh, my husband and I, we have been parishioners for about 27 years. Uh, we we moved here from Michigan and our children went to Our Lady Mount Carmel. When the kids were in school, I was very active in the school. And Our Lady Mount Carmel has just a huge special place in my heart because this is the, this is the parish I raised my children in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, who knows where the Lord is going to take us. I love Carmel, but I just, I want to follow him. But Our Lady is just a very special and, and beautiful place. Uh, I enjoy our Adoration Chapel immensely. Uh, I'm a frequent visitor of morning mass. I love, I haven't been going to the morning mass. I like the 630 lately because I've been really busy working on a retreat that I'm offering at the Benedict Inn. It's a three-day retreat. So it's a lot of content, but anyway, I just love the morning mass. I love our adoration chapel. I mean, I just, we are so blessed. So anyway, that's a little bit of my story with our lady. Yeah. Amen. I can't, I can't make the, the 630 mass, Jody. I, I don't know. Sometimes I miss the 8 a.m. mass and I work. I'm supposed to be here. <laughs> Hopefully my bosses don't hear that, but. <laughs> oh, Carolyn, can you tell us a little bit uh, about your life uh, before you had a relationship with Christ? And what we mean is like a, an intimate relationship with Christ before you said yes to him. Yeah. So, the, you know, that was really most of my childhood and my early adult life, you know, I, and, and, and before I share a little bit of that, what I want to share is now in hindsight, my gratitude for having that absence of God in my life or that not knowing him, because it was through that woundedness and through that pain that I have this really beautiful relationship with him now. So uh, when, when I was young, my parents didn't really know Jesus. We didn't have a faith that there was anything. There was a touch of Catholicism. Uh, my dad was more of an atheist and there was, well, there's there just a lot of trauma in my, in my childhood and everyone experiences trauma. And, uh, and now I have an appreciation for the woundedness because it helps me in my work. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, I didn't, you know, I didn't know him, but what I wanted, I really wanted my parents love and through their woundedness, they weren't able to give it to me in the way that I wanted it. And in particular, I really wanted my dad's love. And so I was stuck there. And in that stuckness, I couldn't, you know, I, I couldn't even see that God was present. And I distinctly remember though, this like inner softness, like this deep interior softness, this presence that was kind and loving. And I didn't know who that was because I was so stuck in the woundedness of my family. And then after uh well, I was 13, and after my parents, it was a pretty ugly and rather just just pretty ugly marriage they divorced and of course like any teenage girl that comes from a dysfunctional home and I guess not any teenage girl but me a teenage girl that came from this brokenness you know I sought love in all the places guaranteed to not give me love and uh, I became pregnant at 17 and a single mom 18 and I won't dive really into that story because that's a whole nother story that uh, I'd like to share and uh, 
me with uh, maybe women in the same position. But anyway, I didn't know God. And I didn't like realize how loved I was until I got beyond that woundedness. And then he did show, he did show up in my life. And that's, that's the huge blessing is that when I look back through that woundedness and that pain in my childhood and that extreme pain as a young single mom and the poverty and everything that went with that, you know, I see that God loved me enough to let me be in my woundedness. Mm. And I know that that can sometimes perhaps sound like, wow, what are you talking about, Carolyn? But, you know, I look back and it's like the hindsight, it's like he loved me enough. He's such a loving parent. He loved me enough to let me be in that woundedness because he knew that through that woundedness, I would come to like love him more by, you know, I would understand his love more because I now can love the other in a way that I, you know, we're human. We do stupid things. Mm-hmm. And I can love the other and their woundedness in a way that I couldn't have. And I had those wounds because who knows who I would be, you know, left to, you know, left to ourselves and left to myself. You know, I can not always be real nice. You know, we're human beings. And but, you know, that that woundedness in my childhood and my young adult life really led me to this space of humility and love for the other in their wounds. Mm-hmm. So there's this deep gratitude that I have for all that trial and, and struggle. And Carolyn, you said he showed up in your life at this point now, but of course he was always there for you. What was it you think that made you realize to look to him for that? Right. Yeah. So in my like early twenties, well, first it ends up really good uh, with my daughter and I, when I'm 21, I meet this great guy. We get married several years later. He's still my husband to this day. We had two more children together. So that story ends up pretty good. Uh, but anyway, so we'll just fast forward really to Our Lady of Mount Carmel. We moved here and we uh, put our children in the school and I'm going through, you know, doing the good Catholic thing and I'm going to, you know, Sunday mass and an occasional weekday mass. And I take our youngest with us and um, with me and uh, it was good. But then when my, my daughter, my firstborn started really having some struggles she was in high school, early high school, and my heart was just broken again. And this is the first time I experienced depression and this sadness. And I was really kind of a mess. And even though I was showing up for mass and doing the things I thought I needed to do, I was really kind of running an autopilot. And then at Our Lady, you know, there's such a rich faith there. And there was then and there is now. And there was a conversation of St. Therese of Lisieux and these novenas. And I thought, I'm going to check that out because I really need some help, like some divine help here. And so I prayed, I found this novena to St. Therese and I started praying it. And I asked, because she sends flowers, right? That's, that's the word. And she sends roses. So I asked St. Therese, I said, oh, St. Therese, will you please give me a long stem pink rose as a sign? And then I immediately recalled and I said, oh, my gosh, other people have much bigger problems. Please, I don't need a rose. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, then, and then, you know, I just kept going about, you know, my day. And a couple of days later, my husband came home from work and we we're making tacos. I distinctly remember, I distinctly remember this moment. We're making tacos and we're out of cheese and we're out of uh, taco shells. And <laughs> so hard to make tacos. I mean, I was really, I was really a mess here. I just like, I wasn't functioning very well at all. 
And so I asked him if he were running up to O'Malley's, there's O'Malley's there on 31 and 136 in that strip mall. We used to live right behind there. And uh, he, of course, said yes. And so he went and he picked up, you know, the, the, the taco shells and the cheese and what we needed. And he came home and he walks in the door and he has in his hand a single stem pink rose. Uh. And I lost it. I lost it. I just, I broke down. I bawled like a baby. I was like trembling and shaking and I totally freaked my husband. His name is Scott. I totally freaked Scott out. And he's at this point, I don't think he's Catholic. He converted later. Um, you know, just a shout out to father Richard on that. Thank you, father Richard. That was father Richard doing that, that conversion of my husband. Again, a whole nother story. But anyway, I'm just like trembling, shaking and bawling. And he's like, oh my gosh, what did I just do? I don't know. He's afraid. He's like, you know, tiptoeing. I said, no, honey, you don't understand. Like, and this is before the movie, um, heaven is for real. I said, heaven is for real. I mean, this is real. This is like, like St. Therese is real. Jesus is real. I mean, I had this like lived experience at that moment and this knowing, like this knowing that God is real. And that just opened up whole new possibilities for like healing and a relationship with him. Mm-hmm. And then of course, I, I also realized later that I prayed the novena totally wrong. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, so, like, I did everything wrong, except uh-huh. what I did right is I reached out and I asked for help. Right. And God's like, okay, I've let her suffer enough because I love her, but now I'm going to give her this, like this beautiful gift of knowing that, yes, I'm, I'm here, Carolyn. And uh, yeah. Yeah. So best tacos ever that night. By the way. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was just going to say. You yeah. Jesus and you had good tacos, right? Right. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Carolyn, if we could go back for a minute, when did you join the church? Okay. So we lived in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. And I was finishing up my undergrad in mathematics here. I'm a single mom studying mathematics, wanting daddy love. My dad is a brilliant engineer. So this is like the the lengths I went to for daddy love. But anyway, we're living in in Mount Pleasant. And then uh, my husband got a uh, job transfer here to to Indianapolis. So we we moved to Carmel and came here. And it was that, that, saying yes to God all along the way. I looked at different churches when my daughter was young. And then I looked at Our Lady of Mount Carmel. And it was, that's why I have so much gratitude for Our Lady of Mount Carmel because like, Our Lady has carried me all along the way. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't imagine, like I couldn't imagine my life without her and without her motherly love at the same, you know, that, that she just bestowed on me. So while my conversion, I think, or my understanding of God's love was gradual, there was there was definitely that moment in time. But then it was also that faithful, like all my messed up yeses, where I'm like, um, yes, God, I'm going to show up. Yes, God, I'm going to like go to weekday mass sometimes, or or like maybe this morning I'm too tired, I can't get out of bed. But it's like that constant, like my my broken yes that led me that led me into that deeper relationship with Him, and a lot of it has been at Our Lady Mount Carmel. Mm-hmm. So you'd say then Our Lady kind of made you convert deeper, but then the St. Therese Novena was really the kickstart from autopilot. And yes, yes, most definitely. It was you know, what Our Lady does 
it did has done and continues to do in my life. It provides this space for this deeper love relationship. And I, when I was a little girl, I remember like having this knowing inside that I'm going to be a healer. I want to help people. Mm. And then here I am now I'm at our lady and we have this adoration chapel and I can go and I can pray. And then eventually things started working themselves out to the best they could with my daughter. And then I opened up a wellness center because my relationship with God was deepening and I knew he was real. I knew heaven was real. I thought I want to provide a space where others can receive healing. And I had studied and got some other degrees and became a nature path. And so I opened up this center called Joy Raphael after the Archangel of Healing. Some of your listeners may or may not be familiar with it. It was, I had it open for about six years. Well, anyway, that my yes to Joy Raphael was what Carolyn thought I needed to do. And so I opened it up and it was beautiful and it was wonderful. However, it really created a lot of pain in my life because I'm not cut out to be a business owner. There's a lot of stress that goes with that. Some people have that gift and some don't. And that weight of that, again, I look back at that. Uh, you know, God allowed me to, again, suffer. I was at the point of a nervous breakdown. I just was, it, it was tremendously hard. And then I see that even though I thought I was doing something for God, God, again, let me suffer because he loves me. Because then what was born out of that was my understanding, you know, or this seeking that I developed this passion for uh, diving into the emotional component to healing. So God led me along this path of, you know, physical healing through, you know, natural remedies, which was wonderful as a nature path. And then now he was showing me the need for emotional healing. And I sought out all kinds of things, seminars and workshops and self-study and ended up creating this modality called the live method. Uh, it's a Christ centered forgiveness modality. And I wrote a book on it so I can see, you know, God allowed me to suffer and to struggle so then I could then now have this other piece. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of in this answer to this inner like desire to be a healer. And so God is just like, still, he's still working on me. And so then I'm working on the emotional component. You want to tell us a little bit more about the modality? Yeah. Yeah. With the, the live method, there are uh, what I call nine phases of struggle. And I have those in my book. The book is titled understanding the Jesus code. And there are nine common places that people get stuck. And then they can't receive the healing that God has for them. For example, I was really stuck on my need for my dad's love. And my dad, whatever little bit of love he could give me, out of because he was very broken, it wasn't enough for me. Because it was so, in my opinion, too small, because I couldn't let God, the father God, into that space. And so, like, one of the, like, a healing statement, a guy, like, like live method is all about addressing those kind of those deep hidden wounded spaces that create interference. So a healing statement that I said, and I had to say to myself was it's a forgiveness statement. I forgive myself for believing I can't be happy about my father's love. Mm-hmm. And that totally unlocked something in me. I'm like, Oh my gosh, like that's a possibility. And we all have like these subconscious patterns that we we play over and over that are built on woundedness in our you know in our life experiences in our family of origin and then you know the generations that came before and the generations that came before me it really really didn't know didn't know god a lot of atheists and just a lot of wounded people and so they couldn't give me 
what they didn't have, but God can. And so with that live method, I look at, it's about looking at the places where the stuckness is and those false beliefs that you know, we, we will say to ourselves. And a lot of times, like one of the faces of struggle is addiction. And I see addictions as, you know, it's a hole in the heart that God can't get in, but God, that's the only, he's the only one that will heal that heart and heal that and fill that space. So then we'll look at, you know, kind of, you know, like when I was young, looking for love in all the places guaranteed not to give me love. And so that's what the live method is. It's a series of statements and there's like a framework to it that you follow and a little free form when I do it individually one-on-one. And I do incorporate that in my retreats too. So people can like take that time to reflect on, okay, what are the lies I'm telling myself that aren't true? And how do I release those? And it is through forgiveness and then uniting, uniting that pain with the pain of Jesus's passion, because all of our pain, he's already carried it for us. He's already like, he bore that in his passion on the cross. And so when we unite our pain with him and the passion, and that's some of the statements that I walk my clients through too. It's like, I unite this pain that I felt or this loss of love that I felt with my dad with the, with the pain that Jesus carried on the cross just for me. Mm-hmm. And then I ask the Holy Spirit to fill that space with the blood of Jesus and with his cleansing waters so that I can receive God's love. And so when you put your pain in the rightful space, you know, with Jesus on the cross and his dying on the cross, then we step into that joy. You see, and I remind people, it's probably because I need the reminder, but I remind people of Hebrews 12 too. Yeah. And in a nutshell, I'll paraphrase, but he endured the, the pain of the cross for the joy that awaits. Like it's about the joy that's coming. It's not the pain. So we get stuck in the pain, you know, we get stuck in Good Friday. And you know, Easter Sunday, Easter Sunday is right around the corner. Or sometimes we want to like gloss over Good Friday and jump right to Easter Sunday, like, oh, everything's okay. When really it's not okay. We gotta go and look at those wounds that are holding us back from the fullness that we are able to receive as 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 God's sons and daughters, you know, baptized and and, and especially in our Catholic faith, we have this rich toolbox. So that's in a nutshell, the live the live method. I love it. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. I was gonna ask you um, advice you'd have for people suffering, but I think you just answered that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, the one thing I would I, I just, I'd like to add a little succinctly to that, to what I've already shared is that when suffering arises, first know that oh, we're not alone. We can look through the history of mankind and suffering has always been woven into the, you know, the fabric, the fabric of humanity. Mm-hmm. This world has suffering, which is why our redeemer came and suffered so that we have that pathway to the healing and to the joy we want. And then to, and then to, you know, Accept the invitation that our suffering, it's an invitation to that deeper love relationship with God. And that's, that's the one thing that I have learned throughout all my suffering. And I still have moments of suffering and I can still like fall into depression since I've gone to that many times in my life now. But now I'm like, okay, I know what's going on. You know, probably the evil's trying to tempt me and say, Carolyn, I don't want you to do anything good today. And I'm like, nope. <laughs> A little extra time in adoration or reflection on the scriptures or, you know, something that I, I need to take those steps to deepen that relationship with God, to lift myself out of that. So, you know, that, that suffering can be like a signpost or, you know, just that, that note to self, oh, okay, 
God's sending me another invitation. Mm-hmm. How do I learn how to forgive? Who do I need to forgive? Maybe it's myself. Maybe it's another. You know, how do I learn to love more in this picture? Because when we learn to love more, that's how we become more like God. Yeah. 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 Carolyn, what do you consider your greatest gift? Okay, so I think my greatest gift, it's my ability to sit with the other when they're when they're hurting. And that is the result of the woundedness I've gone through. Uh, I remember in my studies at St. Meinrad, I, I sat in chapel at one point, this is after I closed Joy Raphael, and I said, okay, God, where do you want me to go? Because I don't want to do it Carolyn's way. I want to do it your way. And I distinctly heard his voice. And he said, I want you to know me more. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to study theology. And so here I go, march down, go to St. Meinrad. So there's a class there I took is early church history. And I distinctly remember we were studying the thought of some of the early church uh, authors and writers and, uh, uh, and, and uh, some of these famous saints that we know, like Augustine. And, but anyway, there was this, this theme, shame becomes our glory. And I'm like, dang, I don't get that. How can our shame become our glory? How can our shame become something beautiful? It's probably because in part, I was really wrapped up in the pain of the shame from being a pregnant teenager back in the early 80s you know it was a different world then and you know i was really stuck there and then i eventually kind of got it in my head i'm like okay it makes sense okay we have shame and then we can turn to god and we can have this deeper lived experience with god okay that makes logical sense so i i stuck with that for a while i still couldn't get it i didn't get it and then i started studying some of the mystics who i was only drawn to and one in particular julian in norwich i ended up doing my thesis paper at my thesis project on her and in her visions of Jesus there is a theme that that came out so clearly to me that our suffering is the it is it is the like it's the vehicle that we use to access the joy that God has for us through Jesus and it is through our suffering I'm like I get it (laughs) and then I was able to look through my life and see those moments of suffering. I'm like, oh my gosh, each time God was loving me through that and holding me, letting me suffer so I can love him more. And then now, and like, Carolyn, where, where does he have you now? I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, I, I, I get to be, I, I do some public speaking. I'm leading these three-day healing retreats at different retreat centers. And I get to, you know, I get to be with the other in their woundedness mm-hmm. and, and with compassion and like, empathy their wounds are different than mine but you know it's all woundedness and i have this deep appreciation for where they're at and like that it's like that deep appreciation and empathy and love that i get to have for them so that's the joy that god just gave me through my suffering and that little you know with a little girl carolyn that wanted to be a healer i was like like i'm finally now (laughs) As a mother of three and grandmother of eight, I mean, I'm finally now like becoming that person. Yeah. And it's like, there's so much joy, you know, with that. And so I think my, my, like my greatest gift is all wrapped up in like my ability to sit with the other and it's through everything that God has allowed me to walk through. Nice. Nice. Amen. Well, I, I, I want to ask you questions, but I feel like I can predict the answers. No. So <laughs> oh, no. I ask you a question, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer it for you, and then you tell me if I'm right. So, <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> I'm going to say, I'm going to ask you, what are you most grateful for? We love saying grateful no matter what at Our Lady. Uh, yeah. Hearing you talk, uh, it really sounds like you've learned to be grateful for your wounds because of the way it's exposed you to Jesus' love and exposed you to help others. And also you're going to say your family. <laughs> Amen. Yes. Yes. That, oh, that a, yes. That is. That is. On I don't know if that's point, what the interviewers do. That is so on point. However, where I'm still getting stuck because uh-huh. I'm still growing okay. because I'm still a you know, human being on this side of the grave. Uh, I'm still stuck when I see my children suffer. Mm-hmm. I can't be. You know, God the Father sits there and holds us in love, knowing we're going to be okay. So I'm still stuck there when I see my children suffer. But so I, I, I can be grateful for my own suffering. I can't be grateful for theirs yet. So I still have a long ways to go uh, on that note. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I wouldn't trade any of my suffering for anything in this world hmm. because of where God has brought me with that. And it's part of who I am is his daughter. And yeah, super grateful for all those trials. Um, Carolyn thank you much thank you so much for sharing your story Um, what a beautiful journey that you've been through so thank you for being here would you like to end us with a prayer yes yes thank you thank you Jody thank you David Uh, in the name of the Father and Son the Holy Spirit amen dear God I give you gratitude for David and Jody, for this platform of Salted Carmel. And most of all, I give you gratitude for everything that you're doing in the world and how you're bringing humanity. You're bringing all of your sons and daughters closer to you through the trials that we are experiencing now. And I pray for the Blessed Mother's protection and her maternal love over all of the world as we are going through our own trials so that we may they may become vehicles for each and every one of us to know and love God more and know and love the other more as God desires. And I surrender all. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Beautifully said. Yes. Thank you. And as always, stay salty.